This is the 2D10 Podcast. You better listen. Today, we're doing something a little bit different on this podcast. I'm doing a storyteller roundtable. And so I assembled a, a massively talented cadre of storytellers to come and dish with me about storytelling for you. So... Ray, would you like to introduce yourself first? Sure. Uh, my name is Ray Jenkins. I'm uh, actually right now running Postmortem Gaming uh, on YouTube and also the Postmortem Gaming channel on uh, Twitch TV, where we run games and do things like this. We talk about gaming and things like that. Uh, as far as uh, storytelling, I've been playing primarily World of Darkness since like 96. I started role-playing in 94 when I was in middle school with D&D, Advanced Dungeons & Dragons, second edition. Um, and I really quickly fell into a love of running games and, and telling stories. So that kind of has driven a lot of my creative energies going forward. Uh, that's also one of the reasons why I've just enjoyed running things a lot more than I actually enjoy playing them. It's just that creative energy, I think, is just so great. Let's move on now to our special guest from Gehenna Gaming. Ian. I'm uh, one of the co-founders of Gehenna Gaming. We're a horror tabletop gaming uh, company that operates a bunch in a bunch of different venues um, post, you know, current pandemic, uh, mostly running a Twitch channel with a bunch of actual plays showcasing indie and um, fun horror games that we love. Um, but we also run games at conventions and do a whole lot of other stuff. And we also just published our first submitted, our, well, submitted for publishing our first horror scenario for D&D. So that's pretty um, awesome. That's the very short version because we can go on for a while about what we do because we do too much for being only three people. Well, four, five. Five, whatever there's they a, don't even know how many people they are what are they doing <laughs> we're a mess Thank you, no we're, we're not a mess but yeah all right uh jeff el jefe um jeff i'm not doing anything of import on the intranets just yet uh, i do play in a lot of uh the post-mortem gaming stuff that ray runs uh so you can definitely catch me there i may run or i may stream uh also on post-mortem gaming uh a dark ages game in the not too distant future uh but other than that yeah i've been gaming since like 98 and i've been storytelling since a little bit after that actually so i do both been gaming a long time all right last but definitely not least jess oh you flatter me uh <laughs> i'm jess quigley uh twitch streamer video gamer uh known as amaro ravenfire on both twitch and youtube but uh i've been gaming since oh god when did i start gaming i started playing DD like in middle school and then I started STing um, and doing World of Darkness games in the late '90s, early thousands. And cool. I don't currently ST anything. Well, thank you all for showing up. Uh, I had no idea who would answer the call, but I appreciate all of you being here. So, part of the reason why I wanted to do something with storytellers specifically is because one of the questions I've seen asked, and like I've been personally asked by people that listen to podcasts, listen to um, actual plays is how to get started in storytelling or how to get started running a game as a game master. And um, if I could, I'd like to just pump you off for a little bit of information and just kind of like get a description individually of how you got your start actually sitting down to be the master of ceremonies for a bunch of other people uh, looking to explore imagination. Um, so we'll just go in the exact same order that you introduced yourself. So Ray, if you want to go ahead and go first. Sure. Um, so for me, it was more of a situation where 
I, I'm, everybody runs into this from time to time, right? Like you're playing with a group of friends and somebody else is running the game and all of a sudden they can't do it anymore or they don't want to or the story's over. And then it becomes an issue of who's going to run a game now? <laughs> and some of us get, you know, <laughs> duck, duck, goosed into doing it. Others, you know, kind of step up. Uh, in my case, I was more voluntold as opposed to uh, volunteered. So uh, I had to learn really quick, and it was uh, D and D was my first thing I actually ran. Uh, I was God, probably ninth grade, I want to say, and uh, my friend was running a, a Forgotten Realms thing, and it just stopped. And they're like, "Oh, we need somebody to run some stuff." And the guy who was running before my friend Ryan said, "Ray, your character's really cool. You did a lot of background work. Why don't you try running a game?" I'm like, "I don't want to," because yeah, but nobody else wants to. So <laughs> why don't you just do it? I'm like, "All right, fine." Um, and and. In terms of like how to start, like there's really you got to know what you want to run, right? Like you got to know like what type of story you want to tell, what calls to you, what speaks to you about like what do you think would be fun things to explore and fun fun things to do, and and just kind of go from there. And and really for me, when I got kind of put in a hot spot to do D and D, I always loved the Dragonlance setting. I'm like, let's run in print. So I started exploring stuff that we could do there, and it just. The first one was disaster, you know, as, as sometimes they are. Uh, but I learned a lot and I started actually doing more in terms of writing out adventures and what I actually wanted to do, what I wanted to accomplish with the game and just kind of evolved from there. Cool. Uh, Ian, I'd love to hear your, uh, your origins. Ooh. Um, so I started off playing D&D with second edition and then played it a bunch, and then got invited by a different group of friends, actually, oddly enough, to play in a werewolf game, which was my first introduction to World of Darkness. And then from there, I discovered Vampire existed. And as a early 90s Hot Topic goth kid, I was super <laughs> into Vampire. So I bought the book and wrangled one, exactly one of my friends to play it. So I ran a one-on-one -on -one scenario for almost seven years that I just kept wow. making up off the top of my head. Wow. Um, that was from like, well, okay, seven years is a little bit of an exaggeration. I think it was five years. It was like 98 to 2003. So like right around when Vampire came out. That's a, still a decent amount of time for, for a, a yeah. game. For yeah. one campaign, yeah. Wow. Um, and I, I, I would like pick up other games, but I always ran that one. Um, and I feel like that one really helped inform like my foundation as a storyteller. And I made tons of mistakes because it was the first time I ran a game. I hadn't played in a lot of them before that. Um, but from there, I, I've been running games ever since. I'm I'm the forever GM, even of Gehenna Gaming, which is a group of GMs. I'm the person who usually runs games <laughs> for us. So um, it's informed a lot of what I do throughout the years. Um, and I've run so many games since then. Um, Vampire tends to be my core. I'll go back to va either Vampire or Call of Cthulhu, but World of Darkness has always spoken to me because of the personal horror aspects of it even on the grander scale of it um and yeah i i basically have gm'd ever since i've played i played i can like, count on my hand fingers and toes how many games i've actually played in compared to how many i've run so <laughs> um yeah so you're you are the all-time that's, uh, that's hardcore right there <laughs> yeah i mean it's not always by choice <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it's like yeah but you run games and i'm like but i want to play in one <laughs> um <laughs> yeah. but no i think that um coming out of vampire that being the first game i ever ran was really interesting uh it gave me a, a fun perspective on how to run other types of games i've i love running dungeons and dragons for example but i definitely do not run dungeon crawls 
So, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, Jeff, same so question. I, I'm, I'm the odd bird. I started playing with World of Darkness, not in D&D. I actually ne- didn't play D&D until after I met Ray, uh, and he ran a Dragonlance campaign. Until then, I had never played D&D. But, uh, different one. Wasn't that first one? That was a, no, <laughs> a while later. A different one. But, uh, yeah, I think the, my first foray into storytelling was probably a couple years after I started gaming. Our core little group that we had, uh, myself, my buddy Joe, and a few other people, uh, didn't really have a storyteller. So I was like, all right, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And from what I can remember of it, like, everybody had a good time, but it was most definitely a disaster canonically and just... The way World of Darkness is supposed to be is not what I fucking ran, <laughs> like in the slightest. But uh, of course, you you know you learn and you evolve along the way. And uh, I guess all I can say, as far as people who are interested in starting the storytelling, is just do it. Pick up a book, think of a story you want to run, talk to your table about that story, and just run it. It'll either fail or it'll succeed. Either way, it's experience, and you'll get better along the way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jess. Uh, I actually started. Again, in high school, um, we would play, we would just straight up LARP before classes because we were there early, like ridiculously early. So we'd like every other week or so alternate who was the ST. So I, I kind of started there, but we definitely did not run World of Darkness the way it was supposed to be run. We were a <laughs> bunch of high schoolers with this gray book that we didn't know what the hell we were doing with. Um, but later on, actually, the first World of Darkness game I ever ran was a Wraith game because I really, really liked the system. And I was like, this is going to be cool. Like. We can do this true story of like personal horror and less sitting around Elysium and doing politics and bullshit. Uh, and it lasted about six months until we all got really depressed and stopped. <laughs> you know, Wraith will do that. Speaking of Wraith, though, when when Nate and I talked with Matthew Dawkins, he had a really interesting perspective on Wraith being actually the most hopeful of the game lines. Oh, it can be. It absolutely can be, which is one of the reasons why I love it. It's the only one you can go back and kind of write your wrongs legitimately. Yeah, you can yeah. go finish up all the unfinished business you had. Yeah, Wraith is my white whale. It's like the one game I really, really, really want to run and like yeah. just dive headfirst into. I just haven't had the opportunity to do it yet. And yeah. never had anybody who was like, I'm running it. Here's your sheet. You know, yeah. nothing like I that. Love to play a Wraith game. Yeah. 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 If you ask me very, 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 very nicely. <laughs> I might run one over on postmortem gaming because you want to talk about a seriously dead system. There you go. Well, it's not. We had W twenty, so like they're they're getting, getting a video game. Yeah. Wait, did they so, have a video game for it? Uh, they're getting a they're VR game. Out. That's one of yeah. the next ones coming out. It's yeah, oh, a VR race game. game. That's nuts. That's gonna yeah. be. I will extra, watch somebody play that. Depressing. I won't be able to play it myself. We're gonna be. Uh, I can't play it because VR gives me a headache. But we are. I asked someone to stream it on our channel so I could watch it. <laughs> uh, link me to it because I will also watch it for the exact same reason. I actually get horribly yeah, motion sick, so I can't VR. Yeah, it gives yeah, me I'm actually. Migraines. I'm actually looking forward to running Geist, which is great. Yeah. Like, I'm um, looking forward to playing in it. That's our next one coming up. So that's our, our next little like one shot adventure, like, you know, thing. Yeah. My, uh, my next like long-term, I guess, long-term chronicle, even though we know where it ends is, um, Orpheus, uh, which is what I'm, I'm I'm sort of working on right now in the background. Um, I have no idea when I'm going to be ready to do that, but, um, are you using the ghost store, uh, ghost hunters for that? I, I am going to actually run Orpheus as Orpheus was released. So I'm going to, I'm going to basically run it 
as they presented it originally and, um, you know, kind of figure out from there, you know, where the story goes. Um, but you know, it was presented as a, uh, fully contained six book story. So I want to see what that's like since I never even knew Orpheus was a thing when it was out. So yeah, that's, that's how I'm going to do it. And then from there, you know, we'll see what happens. Right. So, um, since we're on, uh, you know, Jesse, you're, you're on the subject of storytelling. You answered the question last, the next question that I have for you and I have for all of you is what is your favorite part about storytelling? Like storytelling isn't just like a job where like, you're kind of, you have to do it. Like something about it keeps you coming back to doing it from time to time, um, whether you're like Ray or Ian and you're running a game for everybody all the time every week, or you're like Jess and Jeff and myself, where it's kind of, um, you know, less consistent, but, you know, we, we still come back to it, you know, every couple of months. What is your favorite thing about storytelling? What keeps you coming back? I'd say, are we starting with me or are we starting with somebody yeah, else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm sorry. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm just going in a circle and then coming back around. It's, okay. it's super not formal, but. Madness. You know. okay. I mean, you know, I, for me, it's, and I hate saying this because I'm mostly ST LARP games, but uh, it's the players. A lot of the times, like, yeah, you've got your, your, your Smurfs, your lovely little munchkins that are going to kick in the door and loot the room and do all that stuff. And they're there just to beat the crap out of something. But then you have the players that are really there for the story and they want to tell the story of their character. Mm -hmm. And you can tell the story of the world around that character because everything they do from the tiniest little smirk they give someone in a dark corner to, you know, full on attacking somebody is going to make ripples and going to make waves in that world. So it's how the world shifts and morphs around that character to respond to their actions. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I didn't answer like my question, how I, or the first question that I asked about like how I got started. Um, but on the topic of storytelling for LARP, honestly, that's the way I prefer to storytell. I don't get me wrong. Like I, I enjoy tabletop tabletop. I think is you, you can tell a better story, but I prefer to actually storytell for LARP because of that, like intimacy you get with the player as you run scenes for them you know, as you interact with them, as you, you know, you're, you, it's sort of like something about the standing and the mobility of LARP. And yeah. that's where I got my start. I never story told before LARP. So, um, yeah, I, I totally agree with you on that. Um, Jeff, same question. So I, I like storytelling cause I like to get the, the emotional pops and the emotional reaction from my table. Um, I enjoy when people are having a good time or really getting into their character, uh, whether that's uh, based around the personal horror, uh, something, a victory they had accomplished after working at it for however long, um, defeating an enemy that you've had from the, the beginning of a game or anything like that. Just that emotional pop. I like entertaining. I think it's it's fun when the people across from me, are have, they, they have that buy-in and they're like, yes, I want more. That's, that's what I enjoy the most about storytelling. That's awesome. Uh, how about you, Ian? Just to piggyback, um, the, it's the collaborative nature of telling a story with the players and taking their backstories and twist, honestly, twisting them. And I can swear here, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like fucking with the players and being like, "Oh, you wrote this amazing backstory with all these great NPCs. Look at all the terrible things I'm going to do to them <laughs> with your head." Um, but like it's really the collaborative nature of it. I love, I mean, I, I 
have a foundation in stage acting um, that I don't do anymore because that was high school. Um, but I've done directing and a lot of other aspects of it. And nothing captures the art of storytelling for me like tabletop because it's like combining improv with directing and also all the other aspects of the production of it. And I, yeah. I love that part. Cool. How about you, Ray? I'm the asshole. Um, I love getting, <laughs> I love managing tension successfully to the point where you catch players completely off guard. Right. Like I, I love being able to take that tension and, and like add it onto a scene and then pull it back and then just at the right time, pop it back in to get that. Oh, my God, what just happened? Reaction from players around the table when something dramatic occurs in a scene. And I think that playing with that that idea of tension and table reading is really satisfying when you actually get a story that really connects and you manage tension to where those important story beats are hit just right so players stop where you think you want them to stop and take a moment to collect themselves and realize what the hell just happened oh my god but alternatively also get those moments of triumph and like finally yes we got this thing i love i love those sensations you can kind of put around the table and (laughs) as weird as it may sound being able to play that instrument of your players is really satisfying when you do it you know to effect yeah yeah I, i think uh just to um conclude this and and answer the question as well. I think for me, um, the thing that I really love about being a storyteller is it's not any of the particular emotions that are generated in the act of storytelling. You know, it's not shock. It's not amazement. It's really just engagement where as I storytell and the player is like just waiting for their opportunity to just make a statement to do something to, to engage you as a storyteller. That's, that's my favorite thing for me. There's nothing more dissatisfying as a storyteller than when I sit at a table and nobody has anything to say <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that I'm like, yeah. okay, this is, this is jacked. How do I get this back into, into motion? You know, how do I re-engage the players? So when a player is engaged, whether, you know, they're upset, whether they're excited, whether they're shocked or amazed, or they just really have that idea that they want to hammer home, that's where that, that's what keeps me coming back. So my next question for all you genius storytellers, uh, you know, we all started the lowest of the low. We all sucked in our first game. We all sucked probably in our fifth or sixth game. Um, what is today sometimes? Yeah. Yeah. Some of us still, even after 20 years suck. Um, what is what? (laughs) No, 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 no. I'm I'm referring only to myself. Um, (laughs) what is, uh, (laughs) I'll start with Ray. What is one piece of information, one piece of wisdom that you have now that you wish you had when you started? Um, pay attention to your players watch them learn learn how to table read that because if you're pontificating about this awesome part of a scene but it's not connecting with anybody at the table you're wasting your breath and it and it, at the end you just feel horrible about it you know like nate's talking earlier like if there's no there's no reaction no interaction that's kind of leaving you flat and i and for me what i could have really 
used as an early lesson was to learn how to read my players. Most vital thing I think that I've ever picked up. Ian, what uh, what about you? Ray gave my answer. <laughs> no, but seriously, I I want to um I I have I have an alternative, but like I want to emphasize what he said. Um yeah. 100%. That is the most important thing you should like learn early on. Um second to that, I think is probably pacing. Um learning how to make sure especially if they split the party or people are in different scenes, just learning how to jump back and forth between players and make sure everyone is engaged um if not constantly at least with with equal table time yeah. um especially in like one shots and things like that because people don't feel like they're being left out yeah. right el jefe so again if i, I didn't say ray <laughs> took the answer i was looking for but uh to kind of add on to that um when you learn how to read your table you can always tell if something's not working right and even if like the game needs to stop like it's what i wish somebody would have told me it's okay to say okay this isn't resonating you guys want to play a different game like don't <laughs> yeah, have right. telling, but be able to tell like what's going on at your table and be able to switch gears if you need to switch gears or switch games if you need to switch games cool how about you jess not not to humble brag or anything, but I've always kind of had the ability to read my table. The one thing I wish I had learned was how to say no. <laughs> Just because the book does not say you cannot do this thing does not mean you should let your players do the thing. Yeah, but yeah. what is morality anyway? Right. What what even is morality? <laughs> what is morality? <laughs> I mean, what is what is common morality, but just a, a nebulous idea, you know? Right. It's it's more of a matter for me of my player wants to do this stupid thing that I know is stupid, that I as a human being understand is stupid. I should tell him no. And then I'm going, eh, it's a fantasy world. Sure, why not? And then the whole game just collapses like flying in a cupboard. <laughs> yes, but <laughs> and here are the terrible consequences for what you just did. Right. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, um, the terrible consequences usually led to the game has to end now because otherwise you're all dead. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, see, yeah, I remember a certain semi truck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Again, your fault, Ray. Wasn't you my fucking that, fault. You put it out in the universe. He <laughs> I didn't it from do you. it. He learned it by watching you, Dad. You didn't. <laughs> that, okay, so you're talking. Paul watched a game that was run like 15 years ago that I played in in and Miami. No he ever let him do it and loaded up a bunch of Vazit into the back of a truck and led him to Elysium. Hey man, he watched that and like 10, 15 years later, was like, you know what? I'm going to do that, but I'm going to charge it into a gathering. It's two completely different incidents. No, uh, you know, I, I, I actually, I appreciate this, this banter because uh, it's one of the things I wish that I understood coming up in the storytelling community um, I wish I'd have learned it before, like a year ago, um, that not every situation has to be hard mode. Um, yeah. not everything has to be either like feast or famine. And, you know, that's, that's a, I, I think a mistake and a misstep I made a lot more than I should have. Um, you know, in, yeah. in, in, in the games as they're presented, there's all kinds of really bad, um, ramifications for your actions. And pretty much anything that your player throws at you, you could turn into 
a blood hunt or you could turn into a wild hunt or you could turn into fighter jets and tanks or, you know, the King's guard running them through, but not everything has to be that. And sometimes it's as it's, it's equally important to remind the player like, Hey, are you sure you want to do this? Because these are some things that may result because of your actions. And for the most part, that was never my MO as a storyteller. My MO as a storyteller was the world exists and you play in it and less like this is your game and let me mold the world kind of for your enjoyment. You know, it was kind of like, hey, you screw up and the prince blood hunts you. Sorry, pal. Like that's on right. you. You know, no reminders. And so, you know, I think it, and I think it has to do with my upbringing. Um, but. You know, I've since grown past that. Um, so uh, on, on sort of that topic, um, uh, let's let's talk about some of our favorite experiences as storyteller. You know, if you can think of a specific scenario, that's cool. Um, you know, if you can only think of a sort of idea, that's fine as well. Um Ray, let's start with you. What's uh, something that comes to mind when you think of like one of your favorite experiences as a storyteller? Um, God, that's a hard one. I've had a lot of really good experiences as a storyteller, but picking out a favorite's difficult. Uh, two come to mind uh, off the bat. One is I, one of our friends, Chris, was playing a mage larp, and I had to kill his character. Like it wasn't like I chose to. It's the Shantries got attacked by the technocracy because they got betrayed by one of their own, and um. Chris Canoe's character was trying to make sure he was a deacon of a shanty. He was trying to make sure, he, you know, his people got out alive and pretty much sacrificed himself. And his death scene was rough. It was a great death scene. Like he took down a hit mark. It was all kinds of crazy stuff, but it killed him too. So that was a really awesome scene. And just having a, a player come to me and feel, even though their character died, that they were, to they told a worthwhile story all the way, even including the end. That was cool. Um, like, you know, yeah, you killed me. I got me to care, but that was awesome. Thank you for doing that. That was an, an awesome moment of just like, that's cool. You know, you can make a death scene where a player's not upset about it. You know, they feel fulfilled. They got to play out the yeah. character. It, it made sense to them. They didn't feel, you know, like they were railroaded, things like that. It was really cool. Um, the second one has got to be ironically <laughs> one of the games I hated running the most, but ended up enjoying specific parts of the most. That was Sabat for One World by Night. And it was in our last hurrah setup. We were doing this essentially intentionally like a siege of the city in Rockford. And I had all the huge sheets that came with me to go elder hunting. Like they're hunting down the cam that were in the city that they knew of. They were raiding a bunker that they were hunkered down in, like underground to keep keep out of sight while everything else went crazy in the city. And um all these ridiculously huge sheets from like house malice and like black hand PCs came and take part in this. And I'm like, this is fucking dumb. Like I've got <laughs> retarded levels of power over here and I've got to find a way to make these bullshit characters in comparison to their sheets. These bullshit characters put up something of a fight and actually have it be entertaining. Right. And I did it. I actually had one the guy from House Malice go, I'm really sorry I'm pulling this shit on my, my ass with this sheet because I've never got a chance to really play with these powers that I've had for years. So I'm kind of wanting to do it, have fun, do whatever. And after we we went through the scene and they managed to obviously beat the hell out of the you know the the minor you know characters that were there, 
they came up and said, you know, that was a lot of fun. Thanks. I was like, guys, you just walked through that. Like, yeah, but you made it entertaining for us. Like, we knew we were going to win. It's just, you know, <laughs> it was worth the scene, essentially. It wasn't just showing, yeah, it's just throw a couple chops, we're done. It was like, we actually wanted to play the scene, and that was a lot of fun because you made them think on their feet. Even with our powers, we we had to think creatively about how to use them. He was, and they're like, that was a lot of fun. So for me, those are the two that stand out to me is having that acknowledgement, like, yeah, we got some bullshit sheets. We know we do, but yeah, thanks for giving us a fun ride anyway. So that was, those are my two that come to mind. How about you, Ian? This is a hard one. Uh, I mean, you can make it up. <laughs> no one would know. No, no I no. read this amazing game. No, um, <laughs> actually, uh, people would know because the two I'm going to talk about were both streamed, actually. Uh, uh. I think the two m- most memorable experiences I've had as a storyteller uh, one was a game of They Came from Beneath the Sea that I ran, um, where I had a pretty amusing scenario. It's a comedy horror game. Um, mm-hmm planned out uh, that was based entirely on a pun and at the by the time we got halfway through the one shot i hadn't used any of the material i had written they had just done slice of life character development for the entire thing i was crying i was laughing so hard and then i was like okay we need to actually do a scenario here and i just kind of had to basically improv the entire thing from there to actually tell a story um and it, but everyone had so much fun and like the people watching it because it was a streamed game were like that was amazing. Um, it was just it felt really good to have to throw out almost everything I had actually prepared for and still run an amazing game. That was that just felt really good. That's awesome. The other one was um, the most recent game I ran. I think I think it was the most recent game I ran, which was for Halloween. Um, I did a charity game. Um, and I did uh, a kind of an original scenario that was an alternative take on Call of Cthulhu. Um, and the scenario ran amazingly. I had a great cast. But then I found out afterwards the cast had been like private messaging other people being like, you didn't tell me Ian was evil. And I'm like, what did I do to these people? Oh, my God. Like They had an amazing time. But they were like, that was twisted. Oh, my God. I was like, that's the awesome, best great. compliment you can yes. get as a horror storyteller. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I was like, well, I peaked. It's all downhill. Downhill. From here. That's so, awesome. Yeah. How about you, Jeff? Uh, I agree with the other two. It's very hard to think of one specific. The one that pops into my head actually also involves the same Chris that was in Ray's story. Uh, and involves Ray, believe it or not. It's a Dark Ages game that was ran back in like the oh. early 2000s. <laughs> and Ray was playing a Tremere who was a Bali apostate. And he hit Chris, who was the prince at the time. Like, like, oh and I stopped for a second. I'm like, what the fuck am I supposed <laughs> to do with this? Because that's all, that's all me in that power. And I'm like, all right, I took a minute. I kind of read through the power again just to really get my shit down. And then I looked at Chris's sheet and I was like, all right, Chris. We're going to go in the garage. It's just me and you for a minute. <laughs> we were out there for like an hour. And that whole scenario, I kind of dug into his background, what he had done we, way, way early in the game um, when he was, you know, from game session one and into his like further delving background uh, to the point where he like he put himself into Torpor, but he was like, that was fucking awesome. <laughs> and like just his just his reaction to that was so fucking cool. And we had walked back in and it was it was just great. He was like, "Can I make a new character?" And I'm like, "Nope." Sure <laughs> you gotta wait a minute. So, but no, he was just the reaction I got from that was really awesome. Psychomachia is a great story expect, tool. 
he he didn't <laughs> expect that to come from Ray because nobody knew at the time Ray was an apostate Bali. So there's that. No one expects an apostate Bali. <laughs> See, now everybody expects me to play Bali. I can't play Bali anymore. Yeah, no, I've literally expected every single character you have to be Bali. I've just expected yeah. it. I also have that problem. Yeah. <laughs> People it's are like, sad. oh, there's going to be Bali in this scenario. And I'm like, don't make assumptions just because I use the ones and traumatized I've only, ever played, I've only right. ever played one Bali, and that was with Nate. When we played an entire cabal of Bali. Even though I play those all the time. Yeah. Well, you know, I actually, I'm glad I got to get it all out, though, the Bali part recently. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's a what, what do you mean? What do you mean by that, right? You get to put it on page. Oh, oh well, well mate, I'm, I'm glad you asked. Uh, I have just recently, as in yesterday, put up Clan Book Bali, a V20 supplement on the Storytellers Vault. So I wrote, uh, wrote it through in about a little under a month um, and did all the editing and, well, I had some help here and there and some good feedback from some people, Jeff and Nate being two of those. Um, but it was a lot of fun to write. I got a lot of that, like my vision of how I would like to see Bali played more often out. Cause I got so tired of seeing them used as like a blunt instrument. And just it's horrible. Like infernalism, the weak blot hammer like, no, 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 no. Those Bali missed the fucking point. Like, what are you doing? Um, and it was just a lot of fun to get that out. Come on, you know, dude. We all know that. that the Bali just like totally worship Satan. That's an entire sidebar. Bali are just infernalist or how I missed the point. This was not intentional, but yeah, go check out go check out Clan Book Bali on Storyteller's Vault because it's good. Yeah, it's really good. I literally just bought it because thereby so um sidebar. Uh Bali's my favorite clan. I call them a clan. Ooh. They're a fucking clan. They're a clan. I the number one convention one-shot scenario I run is actually the Coterie discovering a Bali cult uh, that is in the midst of performing the right. Oh! And every that time I have run it, someone has eaten the heart. One of the oh, players. no! And I'm just like, <laughs> oh, awesome! <laughs> You're all fucked. <laughs> That's, That's great. Yeah, um, no, it was it was a blast to write. I went all the way back to uh, Asher. I, I threw some fun stuff in there. But essentially, I took... You can't really disregard the stuff that was written in V20, even though it kind of rings odd, like Molochim and the Prohibition Against Blood Sorcery, which, like, where'd that come from? Um, you know, like, it was just weird stuff. But you can't just throw it away. So you have to kind of work in, like, okay, how is this an exception as opposed to the rule? Um, and then just address some things, you know, from history on up. And I dealt a lot more with the the third uh, founder, so you know that was kind of fun to do. Yeah, it's a good book. Definitely check it out. Mm-hmm. And before I forget, Jess, yes, your hold on. Let me let me reread you the question. What is I, one I, of your what is one of your favorite experiences storytelling? Uh, uh, but I, also, also, sorry, sorry. Oh, there's a follow up. Yes. Also, what is one of your worst? Oh God, I have a lot of those. Yeah. I have a lot of both of those. Yeah, we're just going to um, go, yeah, back around. Loop around backwards. <laughs> right. Okay, yeah. so uh, the the favorite ones, both of mine actually come from running in the org. I've run both um, Werewolf and Sabat in uh, One World by Night. The Sabat game I ran with Ray. Um, the Werewolf game I ran for Ray. And uh, Ray was playing his kinfolk. And a bunch of the the smaller sheet werewolves, right? We're talking like Foster and Down. 
were like, well, we want to go do something because all the bigger sheets were off doing whatever it was they were doing. I don't remember what it was at the time, but I'm like, okay. Oh, you, know, you, guys, you call it you guys... Shadows? No, no, not the Shadows. Okay. Uh, well, okay. yes, it is from Shadows, but right. it, it's not the Shadows, which was a different plot Um, that I don't know whether or not I can talk about because I don't know if that ever got wrapped up or not because I wasn't running that game anymore. Um, Fair enough. But so... They're like, you know, we want to go out on an adventure. I'm like, okay, cool. Well, you start hearing about um, this really weird, like, virus popping up in hospitals because one of them had, you know, medical influence and stuff. And they started looking into it and it led them back to a massage parlor. And yes, I mean that kind of massage parlor. And it turns out that it was a, a like, three-story house that was full of enticer femori. That's and I, fun. Actually, that I actually took over fun. as an enticer, the highest ranked guru there, who also had a rail gun. And shot me! And he <laughs> shot the kinfolk. The kinfolk survived. Ray got lucky. But yeah, no, it was just watching the look of horror on so many of their faces. I took the player aside because he went off alone. Because, you know, that's the smart thing to do. Go off alone. Yes, please. Walk into my parlor. Let's have some fun. So I took him off to the side, we threw the chops, I won, and I went, okay, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go back, you're going to rejoin the group, and you're going to wait. You're going to wait till they get to the top. And then when they do, because they're going to inevitably attack the, like, one in charge, you're going to step up and defend them. You're going to pop Krenos, you're going to blow everything you can, and you're going to try to level your friends. And he's like, wait, what? I'm like, uh-huh, don't say a word about it. And the look of shock on so many of their faces when he just whipped around and was like, ha-ha was priceless. Uh, and another one was uh, portraying an NPC in the Sabat game. And I think I can actually talk about this because I'm pretty sure they lost her sheet, which means she no longer exists as far as they are concerned. Also, unless you sign like some legal NDAs, I think you're you're fine to talk about. She just doesn't want to ruin it for the players. Yeah, I don't want to ruin it for the players if they're, you know, if that plot is still, if the Shadows plot is still around. Why would you think they listen to this podcast? Because uh, some of them do. You've had a couple of them on your podcast. <laughs> I'm joking. They should. I'm joking. That's also true. Uh, but the other one was in the Sabat game. I was portraying an NPC, a Nosferatu, by the name of Shine, who had, you know, fish scales and, like, the bulbous fish eyes, and she was bioluminescent. Nobody caught on to the fact that this gaping maw person was literally designed off of an angler fish until it was too late. But I started slowly twisting a member who kept visiting the city. Like, they weren't even actually one of my players, like, officially on my books. Um, but he had recently lost his his vampire wife partner in the Sabah. Don't ask me how that works. I don't know. But it was a massive blow to the character. And then his pack was, like, really getting on him about stuff. And Shine, the NPC, was a Bahari. So I started just very slowly dropping hints. And every time he'd go talk to her, she was in this beautiful garden. She was mixing up poisons. She was doing this. She was doing that. And it took the player about three months before he finally looked at me and went, oh, shit, she's Bahari. And I just kind of <laughs> sat there and smiled at him as he was starting to do the initiation ritual into the Bahari. I had a fun <laughs> conversation with his STs after that. It was, hey, uh, by the way. Whoops. So, you know. So how and about just, the worst? Uh, the worst? Oh, Jesus Christ. I have a lot of those. Just give me one. Hopefully one that's like not super offensive and uh, 
You know. Well, I well, actually you... have one that you and Ray were both involved in. I'd like to hear it. Please talk about me. Uh, running. <laughs> so I ran two independent that... games at a COD. One of them was it might have been partially your fault, Nate. Actually, that's that's totally fair. <laughs> no, it actually I, wasn't I like Nate's to, fault at all. I like to own up to my mistakes if I make them. No, it, it wasn't not... Nate. It wasn't Nate. It was well, the other players, but. Right. For what I what I mean is bringing such a thing that caused this into existence. <laughs> uh, so I was I was running a, a werewolf game, an independent little troop game out of the local community college because I was bored and wanted something to do with my life. Oh, you're going um, a different one. Never mind. I'm apologize. Yeah, no, I'm going with the werewolf one. OK, because, um, yeah, no, I'm not talking about the, the Sabat fuckery. <laughs> well, we just talked about Sabat fuckery. I'm going now with werewolf fuckery. Shit so. Crazy was running a game based in Chicago. Like the sept was at Wrigley field um, and just kind of in Wrigleyville. And they heard about a circus coming into town for anyone who's ever read the world of darkness. You probably have heard of the dark carnival and midnight circus. Yeah. I introduced that into the game. And I know, you know, this because you were in the scene. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So they all went, they all started checking it out uh, and realized something was very, 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 very wrong but also realized that there was a guru there that maybe possibly could have been a Croatan instead of being a Wendigo or an Uctena. Um, So all the other werewolves leave except for Nate and his pack, which at that point in time was, I think two other people. Yeah. We were, we were uh, Bonars. Yeah. And they were following, what was it? Cuckoo? No, Whipperwell. One of the one of the weird ones. I want to say it was Whippoorwill because Cuckoo's worm. Because I always get those two. Whippoorwill's worm. Whippoorwill's worm. Okay, then it was worm. Cuckoo's not. Okay, so it was Cuckoo you were following, but they basically have the same ban on just two sides of the same coin. Uh, And and the whole purpose of that spirit is to trick the worm, right? That's that's what they do. They basically try to get the best deal they possibly can out of everything, talk their way into and out of any situation. So literally. Nate and his pack are sitting there and I'm, I'm downstairs in the college. The rest of my players are upstairs, you know, discussing what they're going to do with the circus. And, and Nate and his pack are downstairs with me and they're talking to Calibri, Cavend- Calibri and Cavendish. And they're starting to make deals with Cavendish. And they're just talking about, you know, oh, well, you know, we'll do this for you. We'll do this for you. We'll do this for you. If you let this one guru leave. And they're starting to actually strike this deal. But two of the other players came downstairs and heard what was going on, then flipped their shit. (laughs) Yeah, they did. Like they they absolutely lost their fucking minds, ran upstairs, started telling everyone, we need to kill them. We need to kill them. They're doing this. They're betraying us. Blah, 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 blah. They weren't actually betraying them. I being the ST knew what their pack totem was, knew exactly what the hell they were doing. So I go back upstairs once all that is said and done. And, you know, Ray has now tried to talk them out of it and like, hey, why don't you just talk to the Sept Elders? You know, you're going to have to take them to the challenge, take them to the challenge, man, do all the things you're supposed to do as a werewolf instead of just gacking them. And so they went to go talk to the NPC, Master of the Challenge. I stepped up, played the NPC. And they're like, you know, what do we do? Well, find out the truth of the matter. Were you there for the entire conversation? Well, no. Are you a member of their pack? Were you in their heads? No. Then talk to them. <laughs> like figure your shit out. They proceeded to ignore literally all of that and start trying to challenge them to the mound, which led to a lovely shouting match. Yeah, it was uh, pretty heated. Yeah. 
Yeah. Mm. And the game fell apart after that because I looked at the two players who started and went, don't come back. Yeah, but the, <laughs> myself and the pack uh, that, that you know, were involved in it, you know, we, we were just like, all right, well, we're going to go, you know, and like, so we left. We just didn't come back yeah. because we were like, all right, well, you know, it appears as if the entire, uh, you know, city is like out to get us. Anyways, long story short. Yeah, it sucks when that yeah. kind of and stuff that happens. Probably one of the worst things I have had happen as an ST. Well, I'm glad I could be a part of that ruin. Um, that, again, wasn't your fault. <laughs> if the other two had just fucking listened, we would have been fine. All right, Jeff, how about you? What's uh, one of the worst experiences that you've had being a storyteller? So I think the one that I, there's been a couple, obviously, but the one that pops into my head, uh, actually, you were also a part of. <laughs> uh, I was running a, uh, and you didn't do anything wrong here. This was, this was, it's, you just happened to be playing in the game. Um, I was just running the a eye Pathfinder of the storm. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was running a Pathfinder game, and uh, some shit happened where they had come across these. You guys had come across these goblins that were basically trying to steal from uh, a merchant's vehicle. Mm-hmm. Well, you guys, I don't remember what happened where they had convinced the paladin. Uh, that they were like good or they were working for someone who was worse or something like that. But there was in the end, there was uh, a goblin that was not their normal alignment, which is like neutral evil or something like that. He was actually uh, neutral good. And I had a player get so angry that <laughs> he, he wasn't neutral evil. Like the book states they should be that my idea of what was going on completely so far different from his that he had to basically was yelling got into a fight with another player about it and eventually got up and left and i think the game session only lasted maybe two or three more sessions before we folded basically because of that and i was like (laughs) how did you how does your idea of a game differ so far from mine that you had to leave like we could have talked it out or something and i don't have a problem with this person i mean we i think everybody except for um uh i forgot your name Ian. ian Ian, I think everybody Ian knows. <laughs> I was who hoping it, is. it wasn't me. No. <laughs> or like, Ray. <laughs> What's like, your name? No. Uh, and, uh, 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 I don't <laughs> No, but uh, like it was just so differing. And I'm like, I don't have a problem with this person. As far as I'm aware, this person didn't have a problem with me. But that one situation mm-hmm. put us at such odds that he had to leave. And I just I didn't understand it. Yeah. But and I, I, th- I think like it had to do with the paladin not immediately striking down the goblin because he was a creature of evil and then right. that player the player who had an issue with it was like are you kidding me this is bullshit they're an evil race and they should be killed and we were like whoa 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 getting a little crazy here like you can't think outside of the you know and anyways yeah so that player was like i'm not playing D with you guys so uh ian <laughs> finally a story that doesn't involve me <laughs> or does it I hope not. <laughs> I hope not anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll um, find out. We'll find out. No, I think honestly mine is really like follies of youth. Um I when I first started running vampire, I kind of I had just come out of going from D&D to werewolf and werewolf's very hack and slashy if you're new to it, like you just kind of simplify it. Mm-hmm. Um so I kind of started running vampire that way 
when I before I got a real feel for the system. So it was very like action Michael Bay action movie style Vampire the Masquerade. Um and it certainly was not a good chronicle in any way, shape, or form. Um, even though I ran it for like five years. <laughs> um but like just I didn't fully read all the stuff in the book. So I like I kind of glossed over Tremere and then decided I didn't like blood magic and thought it was dumb. So I made them a I only made them villains. I didn't let anyone play them and didn't quite understand how blood sorcery works. So I kind of ran it like D&D magic. And it was it was not it was like looking <laughs> back on it. I cringe. I'm like, ooh, ooh, that was bad. But we had fun at the time because we were yeah. middle schoolers. So or high schoolers. So. That's kind of that's kind of how I treated D and D for years. I was just like, I don't understand magic, so I'm not going to play it or let people play it. <laughs> yeah, it works. It's a Simple low magic, magic fantasy game. Uh, yeah. So, but yeah, right. no, it's just um, I guess I like the takeaway from that is don't just skim over <laughs> stuff and be like, this is too complicated and hand wave it. Um, right. at the the minute I sat down and actually read through thaumaturgy, I was like, oh, this makes perfect sense. It just costs willpower instead of blood and or both like not that complicated let's just roll forward <laughs> and now they're actually what tremere are one of my favorite clans so yeah all right uh ray let us let us oh, land oh, upon man. you so first off i've had more of those types of situations that jeff had than i can count i've had a player get so mad like i was running a star wars game and this was this affects me this day like i'm like i can't believe this happened i was running a star wars game and the players were two jedi padawans jeff was one of them another one of our friends brandon was the other one and um they were fighting a a padawan that went dark side that was going sith essentially and they're in this like spiral staircase and they're all this really cool acrobatic scene went down with a combat scene and then brandon's character gets cut nearly in half and i'm like well He's dead. You know, the dice says he's dead. The game says he's dead. He's dead. But then I go, you know what? What would be more interesting to actually just have him get killed or give him a nemesis? I'm like, you know what? If you want to lose a permanent point of constitution, you can keep this character. He's like, why would I do that? Like, he killed me. You know, like, why? You know, I'm dead. I'm like, why are you arguing with me? Like, I want to save you. Literally, you want to make out, a new dude. character. Um, that happened. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've had those. But I think the worst had to be playing actually again that same sabak game i was running with jesse um wow that game has really like it had highs you... and lows man we, 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 we have some severely polarizing things happen in that game what had happened was <laughs> <laughs> um i did a haven raid because the the ductus of the pack oh. got got basically mind fucked by the the area's baron you know he she, he he was in her presence he got summoned later on dominated to give up where they lived and who was with them and who was in the city then mind wiped forgetful mind to forget the whole thing ever happened and set on his way so the baron sent a gang to their house to fuck with them and they spent time studying this house they knew where it was they studied for like a week they sent a mouse in like a, a nosferatu in like you know animal possession into the house that assume, yeah. unlocked their traps, you know, and subsumed the spirit, and then got them in. And so when they got attacked, one of our players was swearing up and down that they all had like massive advanced level disciplines and shit like that. I'm like, one person in this pack, one, Nas, <laughs> has an advanced level discipline. Oh, that's bullshit. They're all massively powered. I'm like, they have literally like 15 more at speed than you guys. He argued so bad and made such a huge stink in front of everybody in his entire pack. And his entire pack kind of 
you know, they fed into it. They started getting like angry. They're like, yeah, this is bullshit. I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. They made me pull out the NPC sheets on Google Drive and show them like, guys, here's the NPCs you just fought. Here's wow. all of them. Yeah. Can we chill yeah. out? I, I got a lovely still, text message during that of, can I show you know, them the sheets so they'll stop bitching? And I went, fucking do and it. The, and the player who got off, right off the bat offended started just talking mad shit about our game. I was like, are you for... While still like, playing in our game, too. Right. That, that really sh- seems, yeah, that seems like a pretty, like, LARPy thing to do. Oh, it, it was horrible. Yeah. I was like, I even showed you the sheets, man. Yeah, well, I'm telling everybody never to come to this game. Like, you know what? Just... You do I, you. I feel like now, oh, like man. I have to. I feel like now I have to qualify every time I'm critical of LARP. Like, by the way, I love LARP. Um, <laughs> that is in no way indicative of the overall experience, but we remember the bad things. Um, just because, like, I feel like every time on the podcast, it's like something bad about LARP is mentioned. A new person's like, "Geez, I never want to LARP now." <laughs> like, no, no, don't. Yeah. No, LARP, well, LARP, LARP is fun. good. LARP but is it, good. You just find assholes. Yeah, you just have a you you have a higher asshole ratio because you have more people. You know, right, at a exactly. table you have what five people. That, hey, it's really easy to manage five people at a LARP. If you have twenty or thirty, I mean, you're bound to find two assholes in the bunch. You know, what are you gonna at do? Least. At least, yeah. <laughs> at least, yeah. So. Uh, continue ray i'm sorry for interrupting no, no, that's, you that's that's it like it was just that was the worst thing that's ever happened to me as a storyteller like are you for real like i had to I show you others with ray the stats <laughs> oh that that's i involved it. that i did yeah I, re- I remember when you made someone cry what because you killed their werewolf oh yeah oh, ray's done that a few yeah. times yeah yeah they're yeah we were talking. He wanted to walk into a pond. This guy. He was, yeah, he was gonna. He was told. He's like, yeah, I'm gonna go kill myself. What? Uh, we were running a new game, and people wanted to bring their old characters in. And I told him no. I'm like, your character's probably dead, man. Like, let's just not even go with that. And he got so upset, so hit by this that he just like, I'm gonna walk into this pond on your property. I'm like, what are you talking about? That's my apartment complex. It's not mine. Oh. <laughs> <Get out here." laughs> yeah. Well, I uh, before we move on. Um, I stop me if anybody's heard this one. Um, but one of my worst experiences as a storyteller took place at Gen Con. Um, I, I was storytelling for, uh, a pretty popular, like the big vampire, the masquerade, um, you know, world of darkness, uh, LARP community at Gen Con. And the year before I had been a narrator, and, you know, I enjoyed going to the game. I enjoyed the experience. Um, but there were some things that really left me kind of unsettled with the mage portion of the game, namely like the excessive use of like hit marks and other ridiculousness against vampires. And to me that I saw that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I can see by your, you guys listening. Can't see faces of at least three of the people but they I all just his face but so many brows furrowed you know yeah. um so so i'm 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 using that as an example right so that year when when i was asked to join as storyteller of the the game for vampire the masquerade i said yeah sure i'm totally fine with that however before we go forward with any plot we have to make a promise you all uh, the other staff have to make a promise that we're not going to go ape shit with the mage. And I don't want to see any hit marks. I don't want to see cyborgs. I don't want to see mech warriors. I don't want to see any of this. Like 
this was a thing that happened. And to me, that's it's very genre breaking. It doesn't belong in a World of Darkness game, even if it's a, a three day event. Like there's just certain things that shouldn't mix. I take hard stances on. And so for a year, every time we met up, I was like, just want to make sure this doesn't happen. All right, cool. Nothing in the plot is crazy like this. And August comes, Gen Con starts. I've worked my my tail off all year long, making plots and plots and plots and characters and did all this work. And day one, one of the storyteller for the mage walks into where the, the vampires are, declares a start a time stop, and starts describing hit marks climbing out of the ocean onto the the beach where where like Elysium was held at this house or whatever. And I lost my shit. It was the like least professional time as a storyteller I've ever had. And I'm like, no, I'm like, you get the fuck out of here. Fuck. And I'm, I'm yelling, I'm screaming. I'm totally unprofessional, but I'm like, I, I was like, I was like, we spoke about this for a year. There's no reason you need. To, and I just lost my shit. And I was like, I'm done. I like this. It, it basically ruined an entire year's worth of experience for me just because this one individual didn't comprehend their game and just ignored like the agreement that we had. And then I just acted like a fool in front of like 30 or 40 players. And I was like, well, that's, that will never happen again. And that was the last time I ever participated in that group. So yeah, that was my, yeah. I think, I think you were there, Jeff. I wasn't. It was the year that was the year that the game took place in Ireland. No, I wasn't. I I started playing the Ireland game when you guys brought it back and made it the local. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, game is when I started playing. I All was right. playing um, Nosferatu, I believe. All right. Well, anyways, last uh, not last question, but um, next to last question, the penultimate question, and this is a question um, I I constantly kind of grapple with, and that question is. Is there a difference between being a storyteller or a DM or a GM? And is it something that there's a difference for you when you sit down, you know, to run a game? Do you treat those titles differently? Do you act differently? Or is it all kind of just the same with different names? Um, Ray, we'll start with you. Uh, For me, no. I I use really only the the title storyteller because I think that's my job. It's what I do when I run a game. So I will get just as in-depth with a vampire game or, you know, any other World of Darkness game as I will at D&D. So for me, I I like that name storyteller more because it really encompasses what we do with our players and with our table. Um, You know, I... I kind of take those lessons I learned from running World of Darkness games and I have put them into other settings. Yes, some other settings may be more action-oriented or adventure-oriented than, like, say, horror or that, you know, emotional attachment, like, you know, falling to the wassail can bring to a character. But um, I think that the lessons that you use as a storyteller can be put with any game system. I don't think you have to approach your job differently, but you definitely approach themes differently. Right. All right. Uh, Ian, how about you? honestly that was really well put i can't i don't have anything to add to that i use them interchangeably um i prefer the term storyteller because i like the it's for me um running a game is collaborative storytelling that's what it is 
Um, I use GM a lot because it's kind of like system agnostic. Uh, it kind of crosses all of them because I play so many different games where it's like, are you a keeper or are you a storyteller or are you a dungeon master? I'm like, it doesn't matter. But at the end of the day, I think storyteller is the one I prefer for everything Rage said. <laughs> Jeff. I also agree wholeheartedly with all of that. <laughs> circle <laughs> takes the square. I don't think there's much of a difference because... In the end, you're you're telling a story, whether it's D&D, whether it's Cthulhu, Vampire, it doesn't matter. You are there to collabor- collaboratively tell a story and advance characters and advance their personal stories. So it's all one big story you're telling, whether it's it's done through a bunch of dungeon crawls or it's done through a political camera setting. Like, you're, you're telling a story. It's, it's a storyteller. Jess? Second verse, same as the first. <laughs> I generally use the term storyteller anyway. It's like, doesn't matter if I'm running D&D or I'm running Call of Cthulhu or I'm running the Supernatural LARP or what have you. It's all the while, I'm still a storyteller. Am I going to plan a few more dungeons if I'm doing D&D? Yeah, probably. But there's going to be stuff in there for people who aren't exactly combat heavy. There's going to be puzzles for people to solve and things like that. And I'm going to tell their story and help them tell their story in response to whatever the hell they do in my world to potentially blow it up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, of course I'm pretty, obviously I agree with all of you. Um, and I think I agree with all of you because, you know, world of darkness, white wolf material, etc. That's kind of like where I've spent most of my time. The only exception to this, um, has developed for me recently. And that's because I, I've started doing like tutorial videos for like different games. And, you know, for me, if if I am making some material, I want it to be as consistent with the nomenclature in the game um, as possible and less like just my like casual Nate talk, because I am not like a terminology guy. Like I will just go the thingy. You roll the thingy for the thingy. You know, I don't pay attention. But like if I'm actually writing a video, I want to make sure that I come as correct as possible so that if other people watch it, they don't think, you know, the thingy is part of the, the game's uh, terminology. So, yeah, that that's my my only exception. Um, and then finally, the last question, hopefully it's a pretty easy question for everybody. Um, what is a game that you would like to run that you've never had the opportunity to run? Uh, and we'll start with Ray. Oh, shit. Um, this is hard. Like, you mean like things that have struck my fancy? Like I would like to play with that system and see how it goes. Yeah, or just well, like- so. Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, like I said, it doesn't have to be, there's no formality here, but, um, like I'll, I'll give you my, for instance, um, I have read the, the, the book, the game cult, and I am really, really interested in playing in the game and even more interested in running it. I've just never gotten the opportunity to do so. Like it seems very, yeah, I, yeah, 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 definitely like cult divinity lost, I love the book. I think the book was awesome. I've just never gotten the opportunity to actually take that book that I've read and run a game. There's just too many ahead of it. So if I had the opportunity and the time to make a a chronicle or whatever you call it, 
and and <laughs> Ian's giving me the <laughs> I see you eyes. Yeah, um, you yeah. Run it so, a lot, so 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 that that's something I would definitely want to play. And then at some point, I would love to run because that type of horror that's my type of horror. So that that's my example. Yeah. Um. So I have I have two for different reasons. Uh. One is Demon the Descent because I want to <laughs> try something redeeming in that. Like I don't I don't particularly like the Matrix, but not the Matrix. Uh, and I want to try to find something within Demon to run that actually makes it like, okay, I, I kind of get where this is going and it's workable. Because for me, it kind of really breaks the pattern of the world of darkness as a whole. Um, so, and Chronicles Darkness, I should say, sorry. Uh, so that's that one for that reason. The other one is actually Altered Carbon, because I want to get this, I want to understand this damn game. Like, it's such an <laughs> inaccessible system to just read and try to pick up, because it's, it's just really weirdly put together for me. Like, if I were a first-time game master or narrator or whatever coming to this system i'd be like what the f- is going on um i don't understand the symbols like why did you use them when you can just use plain language like it's just so crazy looking and people will see it when they pick it up and it's a good looking book i will say that but as i'm reading more of it and start it's starting to click you know here and there i actually want to run this because i really like running sci-fi games as well and i see that's for me is really something that's kind of um not often on the plate so cool how about you ian I have a laundry list, so I'm going to like pick five and just rattle them. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, so I played Alien, but I haven't run it. And it's good. I'm obsessed it's with that game. It is. I, I will happily play in it. I enjoy that game. Yeah, no, uh, we did. I played in it once and I was just like, this might be my new favorite game, especially because it's my fa- one of my favorite movie franchises. Yeah. Um, but I need to run it soon. Um, Wraith never played or run really <sighs> wants to. Yeah. Um, Geist, actually, also, I was supposed to play in a Geist game in way back when first edition came out, created a character, and then it fell apart before we even started. Um, whew, hold on. Bluebeard's Bride, which is a really cool psychological horror game. And uh, just uh, Clips Phase, of course, another sci-fi one. That game is really cool. And I actually have the book for it, but I haven't had a chance to really dig into it yet. Yeah, I have the first edition book, but I also have never had the opportunity to play it. So yeah. it's something I would definitely be down to explore. All right. Uh, how about you, Jeff? I have two, um, one of which is a, a, a game uh, that I've played before that Ray's run. It's a, a Marvel game. Uh, what's that system that's on Roll20 that we've been using? That's the Weiss and Hickman one for Marvel. Yeah, I, I think uh, it's a Marvel really superhero role playing game. I think is that one I, or adventure game? No, it's not adventure game. It's a role playing. I think heroic role playing. That one I'd like to I'd like to throw my head in the ring to run eventually because it's it's very free free flowing. It's very much fifty fifty storyteller player. Uh, mm-hmm. You build that story together based on what you're doing. It's just a really cool uh, flow to that system that I'd like to try running. And the other is actually a game I'm slowly in the background working on uh it's, I'm, I'm working on a i want to work on a system that uh is for like bleach and naruto almost uh mm-hmm. run kind of an anime style bleach and naruto game but that's i'm not ray i can't run up write a book in a month <laughs> so so that's that's a long time in the making but eventually you'll feel called out you are <laughs> so bot took two months remember oh i'm that's sorry and it's Gates like, been taken five years. <laughs> yes, but you're also Fair. on your like seventh edition of it. So six point five. 
So <laughs> how, um, how about you, Jess? Uh, I've never had the balls to run a mage game, but I would love to try it. Like try my hand at it um, and keep it like street level magic. Cause like the one, the one mage game I've played in was the one that Ray ran. Mm-hmm. And it was very Same much here. so like street level magic, trying to keep everything on the DL. And that like could open up a whole world full of possibilities with me, not only with horror, but also with like mystery and sci-fi and just all these elements. Yeah. Um, and maybe someday I'll get the balls to actually do it. Well, when and you then, do, I'll play. I'd say, and then mm-hmm. the other one would be uh, actually the one shot that Ray did on postmortem for Halloween. I want to try my hand at Nibiru. Nibiru. That Nibiru. system is super fucking interesting. Yeah, it's really super normal. fucking easy. And just so collaborative and creative and unique that I sat there and looked at it and went, I'm loving the shit out of playing this, but I kind of want to run it. It was really cool. It, it shocked me about how well it went over and two, how, you know, how much it was e- easy flowing, like, you know, between like give and take. I thought that in Nibiru, especially the memory formations. Was smooth. Oh, dude, the combat was down, so smooth. We didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Really cool stuff. Awesome. Well, that's, that's all the questions that I have. Um, I guess I'll leave it to all of you. Do any of you have questions you'd like to ask the rest of us? You can say no. I have a streaming question yeah. <laughs> for Ian, actually. What video client do you guys use? Um, for capture or for like this? Like what for we're capture. Yeah, for the first thing you actually capture your stream. I use right, so OBS Studio. OBS, uh, all right. So I guess then I should back up. Are you using Discord for like to get the input Zoom. or Zoom? Okay. Yeah, Zoom has the best video quality with the lowest latency um because like if I, we've been chatting on video here you know sometimes it'll just like glitch and someone's face will freeze for a while and stuff yeah, yeah. zoom almost never does that but you have to pay for it yeah so we've been doing uh roll 20 on ours and we've been having issues in the last week or two where it's like people have been dropping roll, like crazy the roll 20 video is terrible it's yeah it's really awful. i would use i would Some use discord right. in addition to it yeah Discord uh, isn't bad Part of the reason why I was a little apprehensive to record video for this podcast is because, you know, of course, I use Discord. I don't have Zoom. In fact, before we sat down uh, and, and we recorded, I had never even been on Zoom because I'm a freaking Luddite. Um, but part of the reason why I was a little hesitant was even with two people, when I record video, uh, a lot of times the audio doesn't sync up. And so my edit has to take a bit longer as I go through and resync everyone's audio. So yeah, that's why I was a little hesitant with two. It's manageable with more than two. It's like, it's an act of futility. Yeah. The, the video chat on discord is still kind of a work in progress is my understanding. Um, Mm -hmm. as opposed to a dedicated thing, I, I will say Google meet has been ramping up their game really hard um since the pandemic um they have you can change uh depending on what client you have because i don't still have it apparently you can change backgrounds now like you can in zoom um you can have much larger grids of people you can put yourself in the grid which is a lot of stuff that was missing from it before they also just added live uh closed captioning which is kind of fantastic especially for streaming because now we can just pop that in the bottom for people who are hearing impaired so yeah yeah so it does and it's free. And can Zoom treat the cameras as separate 
like separate sources for video? You still have to um, <sighs> capture the zoom window and then crop down, which is a pain in the butt. But I found it, as long as we just tell everyone run, we're running games with, you can only have four players. It's not a problem because it's already set up for four <laughs> players and one GM. Right. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because the, the best is roll twenty because he's able to literally crop us up and put us where yeah, and want move us where he needs to. Yeah. I don't. Have to, I can. I can more easily manipulate the overlay. But I know that another um, group that streams, they're using Discord, but they're using multiple instances of Discord and feeding it through so they can move stuff around. I'm like, that's one resource crazy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and two, just how are you even having multiple instances of Discord up to have one for every player plus a GM? Like, oh my god. That's That'll that'll murder the shit out of your CPU. Yep, crazy. Probably a dual PC streaming setup, which is another complication in and of itself. Right, one PC runs the Discord, the other PC actually runs the stream. Yep. And And you have to have the communication between the two to... Yeah, you can do it. Ain't nobody got time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. That's a a technical nightmare. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the only Uh, question I have is for Nate, and that's, uh, what are you making for Dark Ages tomorrow? Oh, that's a really good question. Uh, and it's all right because you don't you don't have to answer because tomorrow's more of like a session zero. Oh, okay. Well, that's good because I didn't even know about it. <laughs> I told you, man. If it isn't my calendar, I it doesn't exist, and I didn't add it to my calendar, which is all my right. fault, one hundred percent. But probably a Lissandra because it's dark ages. Uh, what time is yeah. that at? Seven o'clock your time. I'll be late. Yeah, I'll be late. I'll be late. Okay. I, yeah. Yeah. I've, no I've double booked myself. I'll be late. Um, all right, Ian, do you have any? Be late. Um, yeah, <laughs> sure. I have events. a very simple question because this is kind of the first chance I've gotten to meet any of you except for Nate. Uh, you know, we talked about vampire a lot. What are your favorite clans? I'm always curious. Malkavian. <laughs> I, if um, I have to pick one, I got to go Asmite. I have a tri- trifecta: Asmite, Salubri, Bali. Yeah. Um, I like all three. Zumisi is actually on one of those climbing. Today. Yeah, judging me on one of those. The Asimites are Salubri. 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 <laughs> I, I think they're great. I just don't like the way that um, people have taken their resurgence in the Sabbat. be like, we can get blooded by the code in the Sabbat. Like, the fuck you can? What are you thinking about? Samila would smite your ass. What the fuck are you doing? Um, yeah, it's... I like the Dark Ages Salubri. I thought they were kind of cool. I like them being a tragic clan. But Bali, obviously, I just think they're just amazing. Just concept-wise, they're so much fun. Plus, you get to play with the elder things, essentially. You know, those that wait. Um, and then I think that the Asmites are really kind of interesting. I like I like their history from Revised on up. Uh, if I have to answer this question, um, I feel like I will be alienating certain children that I love. But... Um, I'm just going to have to go back to the foundation of what drew me to vampire and that's clan Bruja. Like that's always kind of been my clan. You know, I, I love to come in with a character that has more swagger than sense and a big mouth and no inhibitions to use it and zero fucks to give. Yeah. What? No murder hands. If you've got a cause, I'll rebel against it. No, actually I, I really, uh don't much care for the gangrel. Um really? that may be that may be an unpopular opinion, but uh yeah, I don't I don't much care for him. Opinion. I kind of agree. I used to early on in my gaming days love the gangrel, but they as a clan are so as a whole alienated from the rest of the Camarilla and the Sabbat. If you I never you got into them for that reason. Clan, Which is funny because that's why I like them. Clan <laughs> they're they themselves are kind of yeah, I think it's like they're insular. 
the the yeah, the, the fact that there's so many clans i feel like gives every individual who plays the game like at least one that like fully resonates with them you know it's like like um astrology right it's like oh yeah that totally resonates with me it's all nonsense but like the bruja clan is what really like the rebel without a cause kind of like drew me in when i was a teenager and yeah ever since like you know it doesn't really matter what happens at least i still have the bruja to fall back on you know yeah and then you turn into a rebel with too many causes (laughs) right right i i you know my first vampire actually was a gangrel i played larp for the first time uh and i made a gangrel it was weird. Uh, I like that clan. I think they're a lot of fun. I just, I don't like how they became almost like a caricature of themselves uh, and like very one dimensional in portrayals, you know, like as things progressed, I would have liked to have seen a little more depth. Like I like the storyteller aspect and, and uh, you know, gathers. Those are pretty cool. But um, just watching people play them turned me off to them. Ironically. Yeah. I think that's, that's probably similar to my experience with them. I think I've only ever played a gangrel once. Um, and I just, there's too many people that are like very eager to crouch and wear ripped jeans that I'm just like, nah, I'm, I'm over that. Like that's what, that's kind of the turnoff for Gangrel for me. Um, you know, I like the idea of like the classic, you know, uh, interpretation of the vampire that kind of like dark, sinister puff of smoke that just like materializes behind you. But yeah, most people just don't, they don't play the Gangrel that way. They're just like pseudo werewolves and it kind of turns me off yeah yeah i feel that i mean they're my favorite they're one of my three favorites um partially because i associate with them personally because i would like to just go live in the woods and avoid people (laughs) but i don't have that luxury um but i definitely i i never played like like i the character that i have drafted up to potentially play in the game right now is a boardroom ceo yeah, I had a I wrote an NPC of the Zabat game that was a uh, a casino mogul son and an heir to the casino empire and his his sire embraced him oh, so yeah. he have like some sort of connection um and some influence that he could use to keep the cam off his back so he can go do what he wanted to do. So he's like, I made you a gangrel, go have fun, you know. And again, that guy's like, No, this is my thing, Dad, so fuck off. It was such a weird little like you know, nobody expects this social gangrel, much like the Spanish Inquisition, you know? It's yeah, or ready to play a Bali again. <laughs> one of my favorite Gangrel that I played actually was Sabat Gangrel, uh, but he was a uh, he was a Wall Street scumbag. But he wasn't like nature bound at all, nothing like that. He was he was a piece of shit, so Wall Street Wall Street guy. I'd say I played a Gangrel once for about six months and just kept getting sidelined the whole fucking time by literally everyone. And I sat there and went, "This is literally no fucking fun." <laughs> and I retired that character and made a fucking Malkavian and had way more fun there. Yeah, I think Gangrel and LARP are especially difficult because people just want you around for your Protean. After that, like, get fucked. Yeah. yeah. And, Pretty much, and they like, are, you're there as a glorified guard dog. Well, and, and they are, like, rife for power gaming. You know, that, that oh, yeah. is kind of like, you know. Yeah. Um, not, not to, like, draw on any, you know, videos I've made recently, but, like, yeah. <laughs> like, th- I mean, they do, they Murder do... Man. They do open, uh, you know, the gates to some, you know, particularly nasty power gaming capabilities. So, you know, I think a lot of people that do play the Gangrel, quote unquote, incorrectly or like very stereotypically are doing it so that they can just be like, I, I kill you with my ag hands, you know. So anyways, um, Jess, did you have any questions for for the group before we sign what's, off? 
what's one thing you've always wanted to do as an ST? Not storytell, but like a scenario you want to put your players through. Actually, I've I've gotten a chance to start it a few times, but I've never been able to finish it. I really want to run massive Nyarlathotep for a Call of Cthulhu in its completion, but it's like a three-year campaign that you have to run. So that's like the thing that I just want to. Um, I don't run a lot of pre-written scenarios. I tend to write them myself and improv a lot of it, but that's the one that I'm just like. My that's my white whale. It's like I need a group who is willing to commit to three years of Call of Cthulhu. <laughs> that's a lot of Cthulhu. Yeah. That is quite a bit of Cthulhu. If you don't go crazy running that, I'll be impressed. I mean, too late. <laughs> I think uh, mine. I think mine is. Uh, I'm already kind of starting to run it uh, in a Star Wars game, so I can't give too much away. But uh, we basically picked an era of Star Wars where there's nothing significant. You're not going to fuck up anything canon. You're not going to run into Luke. You're not going to run into anybody from the, the old times. So my players have a chance to, to form this history as they go. But there's a lot they have to do along the way. So, like I said, can't give away too much. But I'm doing what I wanted to do. The other one would be uh, like a big, massive scale war in World of Darkness. And uh, spoiler alert, that's going to happen too pretty soon. So. <laughs> Good to know what I'm walking into. Thanks, Jeff. That's dark yeah, ages. Some bullshit. <laughs> um, I think for me, I want to run an old school, like X Files esque, or um, you know, X Files slash Alternity. You know, it, way old school alternative dark matter back days, back when they were first experimenting with the D20 system uh, to get system. it to where, you know, 3.5 came out in tradition. But Alternity had like a, a wonderful like uh, X-Files type organization, like the Millennial Foundation from Millennial, uh, the, the show. That was a lot of fun to do, like dealing with occult stuff and mysteries and just kind of exploring. Like, that's a concept of a game that I really, really like to run and to play with. And every time I've tried to put together a technocracy game, it's supposed to start out that way. As you're handling small little, like, you know, um, dimensional breaches and things like that, you know, ghost manifestations, shit like that. And it just kind of gets creepier and creepier and more further down the rabbit hole because I like playing with conspiracy theories. I like playing with that, like, noir, like, X-Files feel. And I don't get to do it nearly enough. And that's something I really, really, really would like to change. Well, I'm super down for that. You just let me know when you're going to do it. I yeah. concur ghost with Hunters, Ghost Hunters might give a good opportunity to try something like that in the World of Darkness. Yeah, that's true. I would like to someday start at the very beginning and run every scenario that White Wolf um, made for uh, Chicago for Vampire the Masquerade from 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 the early history of, you know, the the great Chicago fire and all that. Um, up to like ashes to ashes and and you know all all of those scenarios dust to dust that came out for v20 um, up to chicago by night so um, you know all of those scenarios all those early ones and maybe even do some like nonsensical stuff like run them in the the version of the game that they came out you know, so make people make a first edition character and then oh a, my God. a second, you know. <laughs> I'd be down to try that. That'd that actually cool. sounds like fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so far I, I've run something similar like that and it Ray ran it was a Rome game and we jumped time arrows. Yeah, um, well, I've I've run two scenarios out of the Chicago by Night for Nuad now. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I did the hell raising for Biles Brood for Requiem, and I've now done the uh, Seven Conflagrations for Werewolves, which we just finished actually last uh, last week. Yeah, I'm starting to flip off that spider thing. Sorry, <laughs> that wasn't yeah. in the original script, by the way. I, I don't well, care. That thing was Satan and needs to never show up in my face ever well, again. It definitely was one of Satan's minions. Uh, and you banished him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause, uh, that's, uh, that's a story for a whole other podcast, but yeah, uh, that was nuts. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I've been doing a lot of research for an undisclosed project, um, into the history of Chicago and, you know, it's not a long history. So I feel like, you know, it doesn't require, you know, the, the era spanning necessity of like a dark ages to Victorian, you know, I mean, before 1830, there isn't much to talk about. So I think it'd be much easier to, um, you know, take players through those scenarios. Um, and that would be something that I'd, I would need to have a group long enough to to maintain those stories. But that'd be something I definitely want to do at some point. That'd be really cool. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, um, thank you all for coming and being on the podcast and chatting about nerdy storytelling and gaming stuff and, and indulging, uh, you know, in, in a little bit of that. Um, if you could all, uh, you know, I'll go through one by one. If you could all just kind of tell everybody where they can find you and what to look for. Uh, let's go ahead and start with Ray. All right. So you can find me on YouTube at postmortem gaming. Uh, you can find me on Twitch at Postmortem Gaming Channel. A little bit longer of a title, I apologize, but apparently somebody's pseudo using Postmortem Gaming. I don't know what's going on. Um, but those are my two main channels. One's for storytelling tips on YouTube and just you know other game talk. And then on the Twitch channel, we do live streams, and then we do every Thursday night we do a different kind of like roundtable or table talk about different game systems. Um, and then on Instagram. That's not up yet. That will, postmortem gaming will be up relatively within next month, I want to say. Twitter right now, uh, my personal handle's out there. It's Kalthis, Q-U-A-L-T-H-I-S. Um, there's going to be potentially a postmortem one just for that yeah. as well. So we'll see where it goes. All right. Ian? Um, cool. You can find Gehenna Gaming at www.gehennagaming.com. Um, you can find links to all of our social handles and Discord and all that fun stuff over there. Um, Discord is the best place to find us if you want to chat. Um, and obviously, we have a Twitch channel. It's twitch.tv slash Gehenna Gaming. And then you can find me personally on Twitter at, at Ravnos. Cool. That's it. Jeff? Just Ravnos. So my Twitter is at Hastable, H-A-S-T-A-B-U-L. Um, and on Twitch at ThugCTC. Uh, but ThugCTC on Twitch isn't super active right now until I get a new video card. So for now, you can pretty much find me on the majority of anything going on at uh, uh, Postmortem Gaming or Postmortem Gaming channel. Uh, And that's pretty much about it for now. Thank you, sir. Jess? Uh, You can find me on both YouTube and Twitch at Imara Ravenfire. Uh, If you want to see makeup looks and things like that on Instagram, you can follow me at Starlight Murder. If you want to not only get stream announcements, but also see my political ramblings and occasional musings about random crap or photos of my cat, you can find me on Twitter at I underscore no underscore why underscore not. Or just look up the name of Mara Ravenfire because that's what it is there too. And since this is a podcast and it may be difficult for you to remember all of these things that people have said, I will include links to all of these things on the website and in the notes at the various podcasting 
places where you're listening. So cool. Thank you all for coming. I really appreciate you being here and I enjoyed it. Until next week, I'm Nathan. This is 2D10. And again, I've never even ended a podcast like that. So shut up. Thank you for listening to the 2D10 podcast. If you enjoyed it, check out my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash 2D10. You can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for 2D10. You can also support this show and all of Utility Muffin Labs by backing me on patreon.com slash 2D10. Go to utilitymuffinlabs.com for more podcasts, artwork, and gaming fun. Utility Muffin Labs, consistently rated adequate.